welcome back to another episode of Marvel News Desk, your best place to keep up with all the latest news, reviews, and speculation concerning all of the Marvel films and TV shows. Uh, today we have a smaller crew than usual. It is me and Adam. So Adam, go ahead and say hello and let people know where they can find you on Twitter. What's up, guys? I'm on Twitter at Adam Barnhart. Um, Barnhart is B-A-R-N-H-A-R-D-T. And I'm Caleb A. Borchers, uh, Borchers, B-O-R-C-H-E-R-S. Usually we have Rhiannon with us. Uh, she's on Twitter at Shada Patron, but she is in the middle of a, uh, I guess it's not technically an intercontinental move, but it's pretty close. Pretty close. Kind of, sort of. She's pretty busy, so I don't, we don't know if we'll see her for sure or not, but I don't think we will, so... We are going to uh, just keep on moving ahead. All right. So into the news we go. Um, Infinity War is really starting to heat up. Uh, this week we got 15 different covers for Entertainment Weekly. Uh, and they had some different articles about what's going on in the MCU. Uh, and kind of how to feel about this new movie and what's going on and some of the developments. Uh, they did a set visit to uh, Georgia, which is apparently Wakanda, um, which actually kind of makes me, that alone is something I don't want to know. Like when I see scenes in Wakanda, I'm like, oh man, that's just some field in Georgia. Kind of takes me out of it a little bit. So, uh, I mean, we should know that though. They record everything down there. So, <laughs> um, let me hit a couple of plot things real quick and I'll ask you about them, Adam. Uh, we did find out that we are going to uh, Titan, which is the home world of Thanos, um, and a little bit about his background, uh, kind of like he wants to cause death because he has seen how life can ruin a place, which is kind of interesting, reminds me a bit of the Thanos imperative and like cancerverse kind of stuff. Uh, they gave us a little snippet of a scene between Rocket and Bucky where uh, Rocket obviously wants Bucky's arm, which is perfect if it's those characters really well. It'll be exciting to see them kind of play off each other. And they also confirmed that the entire third act will be happening in Wakanda, apparently because that's where Vision is chilling out. So these are pretty big things. Um, I probably should have put a spoiler alert, maybe. <laughs> maybe I'll edit it in. Maybe I won't. Um... But yeah, Adam, what is your uh, what's your thoughts on some of those things, some of that plot stuff that we got out of the uh, Entertainment Weekly? Yeah, they uh, they dumped a lot of stuff on us this week, um, and it was it was airing on the side of pretty spoilery, you know. Um, we still don't know where the Soul Stone is, of course. So it, it's probably gonna end up. I mean, Thanos already has it, or something. I don't know, but uh, that. The biggest reveal is probably the reason why Thanos is invading Wakanda. You know, I think one of the Russos just flat out said that the reason Thanos invades Wakanda is because Cap took Vision there. Um, and they're kind of rallying around that. We did, I mean, with the whole third act being in Wakanda, I mean, that means we should see Stark and the Guardians there. At some point, right? Or do you, are they going to just stay out in space until Avengers 4? Yeah, I mean, some of this is how we're going to take... I mean, I don't know. Did they say the entire third act would be... 
Like, I'm just wondering if it, like, it, it'll cut back and forth. Like, there'll be the invasion of Wakanda. Kind of like Star Wars almost always has, like, a land battle and a space battle at the same time, and they cut between the two. Like, I could see them, like, cutting to Tony and Strange and Spider-Man in space somewhere, and then cutting back to Wakanda, and then cutting back to space, and then back... Maybe, you know, I could see that being a way that they could do it pretty easily. Yeah, who knows? I think Feige was the one that said that quote, and he said, I, I, I don't know how it goes. Um, but he said something about the whole third act being set in Wakanda. Um, so, yeah, that's that was pretty big news. What else happened? The Rocket and Bucky banter, that's going to be funny. That's kind of calling back to, well, both of them. There's both the body parts <laughs> bits in both the Guardians movies, so that's cool. The other kind of thing that came out, there was a big Feige interview that was part of it. Um, and they talked some about their plans for the movies. And one of the things that came out of it was that Feige is sticking by his guns, that he is not, that all he's worried about is the near future. You know, that Spider-Man 2 is the most in the future he's thinking. And he doesn't know what he's going to do with X-Men if it even happens. You know, I mean, as far as, you know, as far as he's concerned, that's not happened yet. Which all, dude, I don't like it. I feel like Feige's lying to me. That's what I think. What do you think? <laughs> nah, yeah. He, he's very good at, I don't know, he'd make a good politician probably. Because the, the interview is weird. There was one bit where he said, where they sit around the office and crap shoot and say their dreams of what they want to do with their movies. And then in the same interview, he says, we're only worried about these 22 movies we're working on right now. Even though a few paragraphs ago, he was saying how they always brainstorm and dream of what they'd love to see. Um, there is no doubt in my mind that Feige already knows when both, you know, the Fantastic Four and X-Men are going to be introduced. He just, he, he knows with all the planning and, and everything that comes out, there's always, it's so detailed. The movies are so detailed. There's no way Feige doesn't know. You know, way back when, when he started this whole thing off, he probably started planning, or at least thinking, you know, well, this would be a cool way to introduce Spider-Man if we, we got Spider-Man on board, you know. So he knows what he's doing. He's just keeping us interested. You know, if Feige didn't say this kind of stuff, there wouldn't be a subreddit dedicated to Marvel Studios. <laughs> right yeah i mean I, I look at it you mentioned i mean it's in uh, this entertainment weekly article he talks about how avengers there wasn't a backup plan like if thor or captain america had failed they were still plowing ahead and they were doing avengers no matter what so i'm sure i could find interviews from back then where they're like well we're really just focusing on this cat movie right now we'll take care of avengers when it comes and he did the same thing with Spider-Man. People were always like, well, what would you do with Spider-Man? He's like, he's not one of our characters, and so we're not going to get all worked up about it. You know, we'll, we'll just handle a thing at a time. And he's like, oh, by the way, we have Spider-Man. We have an entire script for Civil War that we had worked up just in case he became available. So, I mean, and um, I don't want to say too much. I have good reason to believe that they've talked about Fantastic Four. Not, you know, I don't think they have scripts. I don't think they've figured it all out, but I am sure there is no possible way that when this Fox deal went down, he didn't at least have a one hour meeting 
with some of his top writing and producing guys and said, listen, this is possible in the future. You know, we want to figure out how to integrate these guys. We're still filming a little bit for these Avengers movies. Let's, let's just, you know, let's just talk. What's a possibility for how fantastic four could fit in if it's a possibility. And so I just don't like, I think he splits hairs. I think he thinks about it and I think they have some sort of plan I don't think it's super detailed and I don't think they're counting their chickens before they hatch because they're good about that stuff. But, but he has an inkling. He has some idea of how he'd want to do it and when he'd want to do it and what the time frame would look like. I'd think. Oh, absolutely. And you know, I don't think an entertainment weekly article is the place Feige wants to drop that. Oh yeah. We have plans for, you know, two trilogies worth of fantastic four movies, you know? So there's, Probably not. We probably we we always go back and talk about this huge slate dump or film dump or whatever, and how we probably won't see that again. But I would guess it's at the very least it'll be like a San Diego Comic Con type deal. I mean, one more piece of data now that I'm thinking about it. They almost put Captain Marvel at the end of Age of Ultron. Now think about how long ago Age of Ultron was. I mean, that would have been four years ahead of time. Now. They didn't do it, and I think they were smart not to do it, and there's reasons they didn't. But I don't know if Captain Marvel had even been announced when Ultron came out. Maybe it ha- I'd have to go back and check the exact dates. They were, I mean, at the very least, Ultron was in production at the time that they made the announcement, if not later. So, like, yeah, they're, they're thinking ahead. Like, he had four or five years ahead in their brain as they started working on this stuff, so... It should not surprise us that they plan ahead. That's all I'm saying. Next bit of news. Black Panther has officially crossed uh, the $1 billion mark. Maybe not officially, but it has. it is so certain that uh, we can say for sure it is going to happen. Um, that is huge. Uh, Feige also in that interview we talked about with Entertainment Weekly said Black Panther 2. They have a very good idea of what they want to do with it. There's no surprise that we're getting a sequel to Black Panther. I mean, it's just, it's not even something we can hardly talk about. We knew that this was going to happen. A billion dollars, though, is a big deal. It's only the fifth movie to get there. I don't think, I mean, the box office is a little surprising, but obviously the sequel's not. Um, I guess I would chalk that, I would guess, announcement, sequel announcement or sequel confirmation up to how well it's doing at the box office. I mean, Technically, we still don't know if we'll get a Doctor Strange too, but you know it's kind of one of those deals where yeah, it'll probably happen. My my feeling on all this stuff is if we're get we're getting Ant Man and the Wasp, and I, I'm happy. I liked Ant Man. I'm glad we're getting a sequel. But if you can squeeze out five hundred and fifty million dollars international, and Marvel goes, oh, that's worth a sequel, then. Yeah, any any of this stuff. <laughs> Doctor Strange, you know, like, it's not hard yeah. to understand that those things are going to be happening. So, um, the billion is interesting. I know we talked about this ahead. I want to say this carefully so I don't get anyone angry. Let's, let's understand. It has, Black, Black Panther has been an unbelievable runaway success in the United States. Um, it's been an incremental increase internationally. But it is definitely weighted domestic far more than other Marvel movies. It's still a little bit in the air based on China and how sort of the legs work on it. 
but there's a good chance that it will have the highest domestic the the percentage of domestic to overall will be highest for Black Panther of any MCU movie. So like where we're at right now is it's the it's going to quickly be the number 1 all-time box office domestic for the MCU, but it looks like it might settle in at 5th overall globally. So that's kind of interesting to me, you know, like it it took off like wildfire here, but in other places it just it wasn't quite the same, you know, like it did two or three times what Doctor Strange did domestically and it did 35-40% what Doctor Strange did in a lot of countries. So um, it's just been a, an interesting thing, but it's been enough to get it to a billion and it, it might squeeze past Civil War. I mean, that's, I think, going to be the real interesting horse race from here on out because there's no major releases left. So, Absolutely. You know, you can't fault Marvel for, I mean, they tapped into a whole new demographic. You know, I mean, this is, uh, people are calling it what, a cultural phenomenon and there's, I mean, yeah. You know, they, the marketing they did surrounding it and all this stuff. You know, my Facebook feed's still full of Black Panther memes. And they're making now the the Patrick Star meme with the Zuri line about stripping the Black Panther power away. And it's, it's a movement. You know, we don't... When's the last MCU movie we've seen kind of this stuff? You know, you and I have seen it. Like the memes and all this stuff. Marvel-y. Or with, you know, Marvel stuff. But now people that haven't watched every single MCU property are getting involved, you know, and that's that's big, especially if they continue this franchise on. And and Feige said stuff about Shuri and Okoye and, and the Dora Milaje, you know, I mean, the amount of stuff they introduced to just Black Panther one, you know, they could pretty much make their own own franchise off in the corner and and be self-sufficient that's for sure yeah it's interesting you talk about opening new demographics and i mean that i think that means a lot of things though like yes um it's obvious when we talk about um you know like i saw deadline broke down sort of like um the racial or ethnic background of people that saw black panther and obviously the film is doing very well in the african-american community for example but this has gone so big and become such a big cultural thing that it's breaking into all sorts of demographics that aren't the obvious, you know, like they, they definitely were pushing for a connection with the black community in America. But I've been amazed how many like 55 year old white guys that I know who don't care anything about comic books and would be kind of like, you know, pat me on the head like, oh, that's cute. You still watch comic book movies. Who are like, yeah, I took my grandkid to see that the other day. I thought it was really good. You know, like even, you know, even people that don't have that natural demographic connection because it became a phenomenon and because so many people are talking about it and because it's so good, it is getting into that, I think, Star Wars kind of category where everybody feels like they have to see it. Even if they don't have the comic connection, if they don't have the cultural connections, they still are seeing it just because every other person on their block has. And we're seeing that, I think, in the legs of it. The box office continues to be strong four weeks out because now we're getting into, you know, senior citizens that feel like they're the only people on Earth that haven't seen this movie and, you know, want to go see. And that's great to expand it all sorts of directions. I mean, that can only be positive for Marvel, I would think.
I mean, have you have you seen this type of talk and word of mouth and all that stuff around any other MCU movies? You know, I mean, I'm trying to think what. I don't know. Yeah, you said it best. It's like a Star Wars thing, you know, when the Force Awakens come out and then the TV cameras go down to the movie theater and start interviewing everybody. You know, whereas most other MCU movies, oh, it's just another superhero movie. You know, I, I can't, I don't know, I can't recall a time an MCU movie's been like this or carried this sort of, I don't know, aura or whatever you want to call surrounding. I mean, them. the box office, it's running ahead of Avengers, but it's close enough to Avengers and... Um, Avengers is starting to remake a little bit of ground. I think there was one or two days last week where week three, day five of Avengers, like did better than week three, day five of Black Panther, I guess. So as far as box office, Avengers had similar, slightly less, but similar, like it was huge. It was everywhere. It was the only thing in the entertainment world that people talked about for a month and a half when Avengers came out. But it didn't have the it didn't have the significance edge. It didn't have the social importance edge, and so um, I don't think we've we haven't. I mean, we haven't seen anything in a Marvel movie that's been like this. I think Wonder Woman last summer is even a poor comp. I mean, it, I know it was a big deal and people talked about it a lot, but just flat out numbers. I mean, this has just crushed that so much. Um. I really don't think it's unfair to compare this to, um, to, yeah. Um, to what it was like, you know, when, when star Wars or yeah, I think force awakens is a good one too. I think those are similar explosions at the box office. So just imagine Marvel's on pace for one of their best years ever. And we haven't even got to infinity. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it does make me wonder, I can't imagine that Ant-Man and the Wasp is not going to just feel like a letdown. Like there's just, <laughs> there's no way yeah. it's going to like this, that movie could seriously do seven fifty. It could do another 50% more than it did last time. And people be like, yeah, okay, whatever. You know, like it could do Ragnarok money and people won't bat an eye. So exactly. <laughs> um, this week in the build up to Jessica Jones coming out and we will get to her in our main conversation. Um, Defenders 2 was floated to Kristen Ritter and she kind of said, uh, yeah, I don't think we're doing that. Are you, uh, disappointed Adam that we went and see a Defenders 2 or do you think that's the, the way to go? Nah, not in the slightest. You know, when I was reading that interview or whatever, you know, it's the type of thing where you kind of make plans with somebody, but in the back of your mind, you don't want to do it. And then finally that other person you made yeah. plans with cancels. So you just take a sigh of relief. It's kind of what I felt <laughs> with this interview, you know? Yeah, I want, of course I want all these team ups and all that stuff. But after seeing defenders one, and that's, that's still probably the most disappointed I've been to date in the MCU. So I don't blame them for not trying defenders too. You know, I think we will see, start seeing a lot of smaller team ups, you know, with Claire and Misty and Iron Fist and who knows who, and Daredevil, and, and so on and so forth. So, um, yeah, I, I still don't think they should have gave Luke and Danny their own second seasons, but I think we'll start seeing kind of pseudo-defenders team-ups in the solo series. I'm, I don't know. I'm kind of sad. I would have... 
I think I enjoyed the chemistry of the four of them together. Like, there was problems with Defenders, but I don't think it was the interaction of the four leads. And so I'm kind of bummed not to see... I mean, I know what you're saying with the team-ups, but, you know, like, I think most people agree the Chinese restaurant stuff was the best stuff in Defenders. And it would be nice to have another one of those scenes and to see their conversations and the wit and the banter and all that stuff. Like it would be a a bummer to me if we never see it. And it seems, it just seems like it's so unlikely, even if it didn't go great the last time you would think at some point Netflix have, I don't know. Netflix is making so much stuff and they're starting to now make enough stuff that they're making crappy stuff. (laughs) You would think, you know, like Netflix is like, oh, you want $40 million to make some sci-fi movie that nobody likes? Sure. Here you go. You know, like it would seem like there would be a check for Defenders 2 somewhere, but we'll, we'll see how that goes. All right. um, Speaking of Defend, well, not Defenders, but Netflix, um, Punisher season two is filming. That's really fast. I mean, they are. They are ready yeah. to go. It's interesting that we've talked about like some of this like Netflix malaise, maybe where people are getting a little tired of Netflix, and we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about that with Jessica. But that is not stop. Apparently, the numbers are not dictating that because Netflix is just like pushing them out. You know, Daredevil hasn't wrapped yet, has it? So they're filming three shows now. Yeah, or has Daredevil wrapped? It's pretty close. I mean, Daredevil. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. Daredevil's wrapping in April. So, and you know how, how these things, I mean, we saw Luke Cage was supposedly filming, but then it seems like Coulter wasn't on set for like a month. I mean, I don't know. So it's possible that they're just doing some early scenes or some background characters or something. Who knows? But, but yeah, you're right. I mean, at the very least Punisher will kick off almost as soon as Daredevil ends. So, okay, let's see, let's see how they go. Hopefully they're just not pushing it out and we keep getting mediocre stuff you know they just keep rushing stuff out quality not quantity they're trying to give these guys five seasons of their own show within the span of two years speaking of uh of quality and quantity and mediocre uh alice eve there was pictures of her on the set of iron fist season two uh she was a redhead that was surprising to me i guess i think of her as a blonde um any other thought on that photo i mean it's Danny. He's in a warehouse. No, I just kept getting disappointed. They what Netflix? You keep you said that something about Netflix keep pushing stuff out, and then this week I they released like a Lost in Space trailer, and it looks like Star Wars quality <laughs> visual effects. So I just kept getting disappointed about you know the dragon naturally, <laughs> but it is what it is at this point. Uh, there was one bit of news that I wanted to talk about that I thought was really interesting. Yuck, uh, somebody finally caught up with Yaquin uh, Phoenix about Doctor Strange, and they asked him about kind of passing on the role. There's been a lot of back and forth. It appears that Marvel wanted Cumberbatch, and then the schedule wasn't going to work, so they went after Phoenix, and then he said no, and so they pushed the film so that they could get Cumberbatch. Um, it was kind of interesting. They asked him how he felt about it, and he... Whenever in an interview you have to say, well, I want to be diplomatic. That means that there's a non-diplomatic answer that's in, that's on the tip of your tongue that you're stopping yourself. And it seems that his feeling was, I kind of hate these movies. 
Like there was like to be fair, it's kind of keeping our industry alive, and I want to be diplomatic, but I think it's best for everyone the way it worked out, which to me also is a swipe at Cumberbatch. You know, like let him take this commercial garbage while I continue my my career as an auteur. You know, um, I think in the end we got the better of that deal, right? Like, I just can't imagine him showing up for Infinity War. <laughs> yeah. It- He's Joker now. Didn't he just get cast in that new Joker movie? Oh, yeah. There was talk or about there's it. there's rumors that they were talking about it. So it's hard to believe. That, yeah. It's kind of upsetting. You thinking, passing on Dr. Strange. Uh, I can't imagine that movie's going to be good. You know, I, what, the Hangover guy's directing it, I think? Yeah, but they're directing it in a Scorsese style. So, like, apparently Martin Scorsese, he's going to, like, I don't know. Attempt to be Scorsese-esque <laughs> in his directorial style. I just can't imagine that movie's going to be good, but to each their own. <laughs> right. Yeah, I just, uh, it strikes me that I loved it when Brie Larson got on as Captain Marvel. And they asked her kind of about, she's been in sort of artistic films, and now she's going to this big, you know, mega film Marvel studio thing. And she was like, you know, ultimately I make movies because I want people to see them. And so doing a blockbuster makes sense. I want people to see my movies. That was so refreshing to me. Like the last thing I want is somebody that's got an Oscar stuck up their butt, you know, who's just like, oh, I don't do films like this. You know, like that kind of pretension I don't need. It seems like people who make Marvel movies enjoy making Marvel movies. And that's part of why they're fun is there's like real chemistry and enjoyment on the screen. And so I just don't need somebody with a great pedigree that wants to poo-poo the things I love. So, Yeah, or to poo-poo Marvel only to go on to a sure-to-fail DC film. That's a discussion <laughs> for a different day. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, one last little bit of news that I had... Um, there was a shot from X-Men Dark Phoenix set, which wrapped like four months ago. So I don't know. Somebody's been keeping this on their phone for a while, I guess. It looks like we're going to get the like puffy jacket Grant Morrison X-Men costume. Um, so did you see those? What would you think? Yeah. I, I don't think they look bad. I mean, they're better than the, the Singer leather getups. So I'll take it. I guess my thought is the way I imagine this is the fans going, we want real costumes. We want X-Men costumes, colorful X-Men costumes, please, please, please. And some guy at Fox bought like the first X-Men comic. Like he went in and he's like, Oh, okay, fine. And he sent like an intern to a comic store and they just picked up the first one they found, and it was that run. And they're like, okay, this must be what they're talking about. It just seems like a random choice. Like, why would... Yeah. They're not terrible costumes, but it's... I don't know. It's not like quintessential X-Men. And at the end of the last movie, they did like have like an animated series-looking Cyclops costume. And like, I want to say Nightcrawler actually looked a little bit like a Nightcrawler costume. And they're like, yeah, let's do uh, yellow and blue puffy jackets. Let's, you know, like, I don't... I don't understand who's making those decisions. So, the single biggest thing they could have done costume wise was give Wolvie his his blue and yellow getup. You know, 
So, and they didn't do that, so I, I don't think I can trust them to do anything reasonable now. Uh, well, the closest they've come is White Queen, but I'm sure that Brian Singer okay. was probably, <laughs> or no, Brett Ratner, Brett Ratner, yeah. that's who it was. I'm sure Brett Ratner was somehow involved yeah. in that decision, so. Probably. Oh, jeez. Um, all right, I think that does it for the news. We do have some Jessica news, but we'll get that when we get to Jessica. Um, we've gotten where we talk about trailers at this point in the show, so I thought we might do that a little bit. Um, first of all, Luke Cage. We got like 30 seconds and an announcement that Luke Cage is coming June 22nd. Um, obviously we'll talk about it for lo- far longer than the, the actual trailer was. Um, are you surprised <laughs> at the date and how soon it is? And what'd you think of what we saw? Um, I mean, it looked like Luke Cage to me. You know, I don't, I, the content itself, I don't think anything stood out i'm not sure we got any first looks or anything or was there a shot of misty in there i can't remember um but yeah i mean this pretty much confirms that we will get three seasons or three series this year so probably daredevil november ish again so we'll have to we can't do thanksgiving anymore so it's gonna be half to think of something witty i mean i i don't think this would happen it could be that they're moving us to four a year in as much as a few years ago, we had daredevil in, in March and we're like, all right, we're going to get Luke cage sometime this summer. And they gave us September and we were like, Oh, it's so far away, you know? Um, but now, I mean, so we get March here, Luke is coming out in June that would leave a five month gap till November. What I mean, is there any possibility that they move it up to September and then give us something at Christmas? Man, getting Iron Fist would be my Christmas present. That'd be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I could I I guess so. I mean they're moving right along. So if Daredevil's almost in the can, yeah, September would be perfect for that. You know, an Iron Fist shortly thereafter and then kick off twenty nineteen with Punisher and what have you so we only got two we've never had three in this year before have we we've only had two we had three last year did we yeah because we had iron fist Fist in march and then defenders and punisher it was was a disappointing year Uh, (laughs) (laughs) here's your netflix mcu it's a 2017 vintage uh no thank you i'll pass (laughs) that's not fair punisher i like punisher um, yeah, I did like the shot of the like exploding like uh semi truck or whatever, and Luke's coming out and he's got like all the like flames coming off him and he talks about how he can't be burned. I thought that was I mean it was pretty cool. I it was definitely sometimes these shows are a little not like a little slight on special effects. Like we talked about Iron Fist, that the fist was not around enough. It was like the the one money shot that was like the only cool thing in the whole season, and it was in the trailer. So I I would be fine seeing Luke kind of survive some more explosions and stuff. I I like seeing that. So do we we know who the villain is, right? It's another snake named character or something. Yeah, I think it's Bush, not Bushmaster. That's not right. Oh, what is it? Yeah, I think it is. Oh, is it Bushmaster? Yeah. Okay. And he's like a Caribbean crime boss, something like that. Yeah, I, I think that would be. Um, I think it'd be a lot of fun to have. Uh, to have that. 
Uh, but yeah, I felt like the tone and everything fit exactly what I expect for Luke. And I do, somebody mentioned like there's a little more sort of swagger to the way that Luke like went about things. And if this is like Luke has come into his own and accepted that he's going to be a hero, I would love that. Because part of what I didn't like about season one was like, leave me alone. I just want to live my life. You know, I don't, I don't want to be in the spotlight. And then he would do stuff like put his face on the news. You're like, wait a minute. I thought you did. You know, like there was way too much waffling back and forth for me in that first season. So, yeah. Uh, we also got a Legion trailer this week and I feel like Legion trailers are impossible to talk about because they're just like quick cuts to like random psychedelic imagery that makes no sense. Did you see anything in particularly interesting to you on the, the Legion trailer this week, Adam? You explained it exactly how I was going to, so. I did like that there's going to be another dance scene. Yeah, yeah. Those those are cool. So, I don't know. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah, it'll be interesting to me. I think we'll try to, like, talk about the episodes as they come out, like we do with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., um... It will be interesting to me. I don't know how we review those episodes. Like, I just feel like each week we're going to come in and be like, <laughs> well, uh, yes, that was, that happened. Um, that happened. It was awesome. <laughs> I loved it, but um, I don't know. <laughs> so, oh, that seems like uh, it'll be a, a tough show to review. All right. Um, good. It looks like it's time then to talk about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, so we had a 100th episode this week. Um, Adam, just we'll start with, uh, did, did it live up to your expectations? They kind of hyped this 100th yes. episode a lot. Did you feel like you got what you they were did. expecting? I think so. Yeah, what was the the tag at the end of the 99th episode was like the most shocking event we've seen in five seasons or something like that. It was most shocking something. Um, And I didn't think anything was really shocking, shocking, I guess. Um, But yeah, man, I love this episode so much. There was a few, well, one scene in particular stood out that I could probably easily put my top five favorite AOS moments. Um, but it was just solid all around, man. Some good cameos too. And guess what? No Grand Ward, so that's an A plus. <laughs> there was Hive, so I mean, yeah, but it was it kind of Grant wasn't Ward. Grant. <laughs> kind, well, a little bit. To be honestly, though, actually, when you think about that, like, it kind of. I don't know. Maybe Brett Dalton doesn't care. If I was Brett Dalton, I'd be kind of bummed that I hadn't got a call, right? Like, it would seem so natural for him to be around. I mean, putting aside your hatred of the character of, of Grant Ward. Yeah, like, I get what, yeah, I get what you're saying. It, 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 they, it felt like they were trying to, like, do all these great callbacks, and it seems like Ward would be a natural... I, f- I thought we were going to get a Daisy scene. I thought at some point Daisy was going to be walking around and Grant Ward was going to be her fear or whatever that he was back. So yeah, That does make sense, especially with the, the fear dimension and stuff. Once Fitz was explaining the fear dimension, I'm like, all right, okay, well, we're definitely seeing Grant now. Yeah. Um, I was really happy that Mike Peterson and Deathlock was kind of like the big character return because... 
I always feel like that is a great asset that they have underused. I mean, some of that is I came into comics like in the mid nineties when Deathlock was like, I don't know. I felt like he was like a Punisher or ghost rider, like level character yeah. in the particular era that I came in. He doesn't feel that way anymore. I don't know the last time Deathlock's ever even been in a comic in the Marvel universe, but um, I just thought it was great for him back. And I, I'd like to see him more like, he did some of the action stuff with him, like twirling around and like shooting missiles and stuff. Like I had a good time with that. That was cool. He showed up. Well, his, the, the fake Deathlock showed up and I, I'm like, all right, this is cool. And then the real Deathlock showed up and I'm like, all right, now this is cool. I love that. That was one of the scenes I was talking about with the, the Quinjet and stuff. Yeah. So, that was good stuff. It was also, we talked off, you know, offline, that there was also that other agent who apparently has been a recurring character for four seasons that I didn't even know was like the guy with the scar. Like as soon as the commercial break hit, I texted you like, who is that? And you're like, I don't know. And so they finally used his name (laughs) and I looked him up and like, he was in season one. He was in season four. How do I not know who this guy is? You know, (laughs) there was a whole group of, so these are apparently like underground agents or something. I guess there was a whole group of them. What? There had to be a dozen of them, right? Yeah. But they focused in on scar guy. And I'm like, I have no idea who that is. (laughs) Yeah. I barely remember Piper. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, so this was, I mean, this kind of, it felt in a way it really felt like a comic. Sometimes you get to anniversary issues of comics and they almost feel like annuals or standalones, you know, because the story is kind of separated from like what you've been building towards thus far. Did it bother you at all that we kind of had like a suspension of the main plot almost? Like last week we got back to Earth and we got uh, Dove Cameron's character. And then there was kind of all this stuff with them trying to hunt down S.H.I.E.L.D. I don't know. It's for, to me, it almost kind of felt like a timeout where they kind of left the momentum of the regular se- you know, series for a week. I get it. Um, but, I mean, I think they put in just enough of that stuff to feel like it just kept moving forward, how Coulson sent Deke out on his his little trip and planted clues and for whatever. I'm not sure what he did, but then it hinted that S.H.I.E.L.D. was moving to Canada or something. So then General Hale packed up shop at least in River's End or whatever that town's called. So there was, I mean, well, maybe four or five shots of 15-second moments, you know. So I think there was just enough. Um, if they hadn't included that at all, it definitely feel like you said an annual. It would have been very comparable to that. But I think they included enough little details um, to keep it moving. Right, we got to talk about uh, the wedding and then the uh, the results of the wedding. Was that a surprise? Was the wedding a surprise to you? I. I was really impressed. I did not see it coming, and I feel like I should have. Yeah, I didn't either, because it totally blindsided me. I'm like, I did think, why is Fitz keep, he's kind of acting weird in the elevator, but then I figured just because it was Coulson's dying. Spoiler alert, but we knew that. Um, But yeah, totally blindsided me. I'm like, what? This is cool. And apparently Phil Coulson is ordained? Um, Well, maybe. first of all, as a guy who actually does weddings... (laughs) Some states, you don't have to really have anything, you know, like, so okay. <laughs> it really depends on where you're at. But also, um, 
I don't know if it's a legal marriage. I, they're so much on the run True. at this point that I think they're just yeah. doing whatever. That was cool, though. That was awesome. All right, Deke is a Fitzsimmons grandchild. Is this... Yeah. I kind of I kind of expected this uh, two or three weeks ago. I was like, at some point, I bet he's one of the, you know, like a child of some of these people. And Fitzsimmons is the obvious couple, I think. Do you like that? Or do you feel like the, the apple's fallen pretty far from the tree? <laughs> <laughs> well, that was, that, I liked it. Yeah, I think we talked about it. You or Rhiannon mentioned it on a previous pod, I think. Someone on the pod said, I wonder if that's someone's so-and-so. I can't remember, a relative or something. Um, Yeah, that was a pretty good surprise, too. I mean, I, yeah, obviously Fitz and Simmons are the the two most people would probably pick, you know. So, yeah. I don't guess don't have much else to say about that. That was a uh, kind of confirmed a lot of hunches, I guess. Um, let me ask one more question. Last year we had this kind of loose plot point that, um, that, you know, um, Colson Ryder, you know, like was, there was going to be some, some payment that came, some kind of curse that came from him taking the rider. So we finally got the payoff of that, that basically the ghost rider energy fire juju, seared out the Cree juju that was keeping him alive. I don't know if that's a great way to put it, but I think that's what happened. Did that feel like um, a satisfying conclusion to that? Or That was, no, that was the one thing I was probably disappointed in, you know? They're saying, oh, we're going to know the deal that he made with Ghost Rider, so I'm not sure I understood it even. You know, he just kind of mentioned it in passing, you know? He says, oh, to get... Ghost Rider, I had to kill the alien or something. I can't remember his exact words. So I'm not sure if that was like Robbie's deal. Is like, okay, so if you want the spirit of vengeance or whatever, you got to stop using this artificial blood or what have you. I don't know. You explained it to Juju. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I got us. I got the sense that like it somehow like like literally the fire of the Ghost Rider burned the Cree stuff. How that doesn't burn human flesh. Like, that's the part that's crazy to me. Like, I want to understand the magic alien physics of why Ghost Rider Flame necessarily destroys Cree biology. Like, what is going on, you know? Yeah, I don't know. It didn't really seem like a deal, though. I imagined that. I don't know. It just didn't seem like a deal was made, I guess. I was anticipating that Phil had to do so-and-so or had to travel the team to so-and-so to get it, but I don't know. I was a tad disappointed in that just because I thought it was a little weak. I was kind of hoping we'd see Robbie too. Like I was, I was hoping that the way you close up the nightmare realm would be like ghost rider shows up with his like sling ring chain and like somehow like closes the seal back up or something. But yeah, I mean, I don't think it's the last we see of that stuff this season, too, because it was only like a temporary... I mean, Fitz even said it was a temporary housing or whatever, so he's going to have to do something bigger, and obviously he's not going to have the time to do that if they're they're on the run from people who want to cut off their arms. <laughs> there was also... I saw... They're, they're fighting a Cree in the trailer for next week. Are they? 
Yeah, yeah which to miss that. It almost makes me feel like the makeup department's like, look, we've got this effect down. <laughs> We're gonna create a fear a fear realm, and that way every time we need some, you know, extra uh, attention in the episode, boom, there's a Cree guy, you know, like we'll just keep it going. Yeah, now that you say that I can only see Jeff at like some budget meeting yelling at everyone because they overordered blue paint. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have to use all this blue paint this season. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, that is probably um, probably enough talk on Shield. Uh, the live chat also mentions that you got the cop call right at, last week, Adam. There was significance to that call by the policeman. See, I had a hunch, man. I got a, I got a telepathic link or something. Oh, I just figured he was doing something. Well, no, I said he was calling good guys, though, right? I, uh, I, thought I was, was giving you credit, some... man. Just take nah, it. I don't I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, he was calling somebody, but turns out he did call General Hale again, right? That's what she mentioned, or her handler or assistant, I guess. All right. We're going to talk about Jessica Jones. Um, so we've done this different ways. This time, what we're going to do, we are going to talk about the first six episodes. And that's going to be primarily because that's all I've seen. I think. Are you still there, Adam, or did you watch uh, another one or two? I'm a, yeah, I'm a little into seven, but okay. But we, don't worry if you are only up through six and you don't want to be spoiled. I promise you, I will not spoil any past six because I don't know what happens. Uh, but we will do full spoilers for six. So we've talked about doing a non-spoiler review, but frankly, I think we'd stink at it and we'd leak stuff out, and then you'd be mad at us for being spoiler and the non-spoiler. So what we'll say is if you have seen through episode six, we think you should be safe, but all the way up through that last, there's a big reveal at the end of six. So that is, we'll, we'll talk about that. Um, and we'll go from there. Let me hit the news for Jessica real quick. I try to save the new stuff for these conversations. Um, this week there was a little buildup. They, uh, before the show came out on international women's day, they talked about how it was all female directors this time around, which was pretty cool. I had not realized that till this week. Uh, they put out a series of like pulp novel posters for each of the episodes and the titles of the episodes, which was pretty cool. Um, also somebody asked Kristen Ritter what kind of contract she had with Marvel for beyond Jessica Jones two. And her response was, yeah, I'm I'm not stupid enough to talk about that. So I, I would assume, I mean, for most of these actors, um, I, I would assume this is the big thing in their career now. So like Kristen Ritter, she's maybe got some other stuff going, but I would assume that if Marvel wants her again, she's going to sign up for it. You know, TV actors are kind of always looking for the next gig, so... Um, I can't imagine her walking away from this if Netflix is willing to pay her for another season. She seems to enjoy the character. Um, so that is the news. Uh, let me say before we do any more reviews that, um, yeah, Jessica Jones is a show that deals with a lot of issues for women and feminism. And uh, some of you may be thinking that it is not the most tasteful thing in the world to have two dudes talking about Jessica Jones. That was not intentional. We, we thought we'd have Rhiannon with us today. So please forgive us. We promise that Rhiannon will get plenty of time to talk about it next week. And um, we will do our best to, you know, be enlightened gentlemen uh, when we talk about these things. But we acknowledge the tension of that 
and that there's some of the stuff we might not get because we don't have the same experience. But I just thought that would be wise to put at the beginning. All right. That being said, what are you thinking, Adam? How are you feeling about another uh, season of Jessica Jones? It's slow again, man. Um, I'm not sure. I mean, there's little direction, but I mean, at this point through the first six episodes, it's, I don't want to say it's slower than any of the other ones. Cause I mean, that's kind of Netflix's MO, at least with this MCU stuff is just slow burning um, stuff. At this point, it's clear that there's not really a big bad of sorts. There's kind of four or three or four people that kind of have hints of bad stuff with them. Uh, but I mean, just first initial thoughts, it's, it's pretty slow at this point. Yeah, I mean, I think glacial is fair. Like, it's just, it's really, <laughs> really slow. And now I have, yeah, when last year when I did my rewatch of the Netflix shows, um, I don't, I think this has always been a problem. But, you know, like, I went back, if you go back and watch Daredevil season one, I think I maybe I've said this on the pod, there is a, a series in, like, episode four or five of Daredevil season one, where it's like there's a scene with like Yurik and he's like talking to his insurance company about like whether or not his wife's medical bills are going to be covered. And then they cut to a seat like Matt Googling, like it's five minutes of Matt Murdoch Googling something. And then they cut to Karen, like going over a, an NDA with an attorney. And then it goes back to Yurik at the hospital. And like, it's literally 20 minutes of, of people Googling and going over paperwork. It's, it's terrible, but we love daredevil. You know, I I think the thing though, was that daredevil has always been punctuated by the action scenes. Like they would do that, but then they would have him fight the bad guys in a garage or there'd be the kingpin decapitation scene or, you know, like there would be some kind of action, but some of this Jessica stuff, like she's not fighting, there's there's not a discernible villain. It's just, and I like PI stuff. I like film noir. I mean, it just it just seems real slow. It seems like there's not enough plot for the episodes. And I guess where it gets me, I feel weird about it is, I, I don't want that to mean that to suggest that I don't like it or it's not good. Cause like um, Hogarth stuff, the stuff about Hogarth having this disease, I think it's been really touching and interesting and a fascinating sort of meditation on how people deal with finding out that they have a limited life left and that they're going to be debilitated and what quality of life do you want to have versus quantity? Like all that's interesting, but I don't, I don't want to see it on Jessica Jones. Like I don't want to see it on a Marvel show. I want to see her beat somebody up, you know, like Maybe this is making me shallow, but do you feel that way? At like, do you, do you feel like there's quality? It's just boring quality. <laughs> well, I mean, in, in Jessica's defense, she, her career is to essentially Google stuff, you know, investigating. Um, yeah. I mean, there's, like you said, the Hogar stuff was good. Um, that reveal at the end of six, the last moment in six, I'm like, whoa <laughs> you know so i mean it's it's not like it's poor quality stuff the writing's fine it's just the pacing's 
kind of out of whack and slow. And we didn't really see that much action in Jessica Jones season one either. Um, obviously, the this the stuff with Kilgrave in season one kind of maybe took the place of the action. You know, um, there was always whether flashbacks or something like that, and that's not really. I mean, we've gotten some flashbacks so far, but they're just like split second stuff of her strapped to a table strolling down the hallway, you know, just like quick jump cuts. Um, I mean, I, I think a lot of that is just tension. Maybe there wasn't action in season one, but there was like, I think about the, um, the scene where she, uh, he's in the like high rise apartment and she comes after him and like, he gets the whole family to go after her. It's not like that's brilliant choreography, but there was tension in it. Or the scene in the police station where they're all holding the guns to their own heads. Or the scene in the bar where they had the nooses around their necks and he's like, I'm going to make them jump. Like, those things all made you nervous. None of this made, you know, when Nuke showed up at the film site, I'm like, oh, like, I, I, there's just no tension there, you know, like, um, you know, the most tension I felt was the, the dream sequence. And this is a credit to season one and shit says a lot about season two to me. She had this dream sequence where she wakes up and the ashes are like coming down from the ceiling. And then as she goes in her hallway, the lights flash purple behind her. The second I saw the color purple, my blood just went cold in my body. I was like, ah, you know, like I felt so nervous, <laughs> Yeah. but that's how great Kilgrave was and how there's no antagonist in this there's no bad guy there's nobody that you feel scared of at all you know yeah i get what you're saying with the dream sequence there yeah i mean it the purple stuff's kind of i don't know because the the painting obviously so the painting was the from the super was actually done by the comic artist right that was the easter egg or whatever and that's mainly purple and then they have their intimate scene and rolling around in purple paint um you'd think that'd freak her out but yeah i actually I, that's one i got right on the podcast do you remember we saw the trailer and i was like it looks like she has sex on paint and then she gets a painting from that guy and you guys are like <laughs> sex on paint what are you talking about that was right you know oh yeah <laughs> um let me ask about special effects so you are a connoisseur of crummy superhero special effects shows. <laughs> <laughs> what? What's that supposed to be? Are you just saying I'm an Iron Fist fan? Or uh, no, no, but you watch, well, you watch much? like all these w CW shows. And you've talked about... Oh, CW. I thought you said WCW, no. like the old wrestling no, no, no. thing. CW. Yeah, like, okay, the, C yeah, like yeah, the, yeah. the flower verse or whatever. So, and you've <laughs> talked about the quality or lack thereof, sometimes the special yeah. effects in those. Um, what have you thought about the special effects and makeup of the six episodes you've seen so far? Well, there's not real. I mean, the wizard, that was, that, I thought the way they did that was cool. It wasn't a Quicksilver type deal or the Quicksilver we saw in the X-Men movies where he, you know, he's in, he's walking normally essentially and everyone else is slowed down. So I really like that. How about the wizard name drop? You know, I wanted a squadron Supreme movie and they take the wizard for a IGH person. So there goes one of my squadron Supreme guys, but yeah, I really like what they did with them outside of that. 
There's not really much involved, was there? No, I mean, I'm also thinking about some of the jumping, uh, the the makeup on the meat face guy, which we haven't seen too much of. Yeah. Kind of like, all right. Maybe he's the big bad, meat face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm seeing in the, live, in the live chat, Michael Ford is saying that it gets better, that it picks up a little. That's okay. good. I don't know. The wizard effect, for me, it just felt cheap and i don't know maybe that was a really expensive difficult effect i just there's something about it i guess partially because the first jessica was so like not super powered you know like that like um david Tennant's powers don't require any visual effects right and so it just it felt a little jarring to me to have that guy kind of like doing his thing around the room so I don't know. I didn't love it. I was curious about what you thought. So, <laughs> oh no, I I liked it. You know, it just I mean, he was trying to convince them he had the powers. Then he gets afraid enough he can access the powers, but he it seems like something was still holding him back. You know, he could only do it in short spurts or something. And I don't know. It just seemed cool. I also, but now we can't see it anymore. <laughs> I didn't realize. Until I did research on the wizard. I knew the name, but I couldn't remember exactly who he was. Um, the mongo- the fact he had a pet mongoose is brilliant. Because that's yeah. how he got his powers in the comics. Is he had a, a blood transfusion from a mongoose. Which, who thought that up, you know? Like, what in the world? Yeah, um, yeah I was... Re- I was reading a little anecdote that there's to this day, no one wants to take credit for writing the origin because they think it's so silly. So technically no one's credited as the creator of wizard. No, I'm trying to, this, he was like golden. He's like a captain America golden age one, yeah. isn't he? Yeah. He's, he's old. Um, before Marvel, it was timely. And before timely, I think it was something else. So he's been around forever. But as comics are, I mean, I think Marvel bought, like, Angela. I think Angela was a Spawn character or something. So, Wizard's been around. But, I mean, in Marvel Comics continuity, he's been a Squadron Supreme guy. I remember um, when I watched the Spider-Man animated series with my kids, they did a Captain America storyline on Spider-Man that included like all these like forties era heroes that were like caps buddies back in the day. And that's where I, that's where I know the wizard from was he was on that, you know? So uh. like I, I was tweet last night and the guy says he's like a speedster or something. So I was just being a smart ass and took a screenshot and said, hashtag like Quicksilver reincarnated. So then Michael tweets me, says spoiler alert. And then like the very next thing that happens, he actually has the powers. I'm like, what the hell? He actually has powers. Yeah. I feel like, th- didn't they do something similar when Jessica was looking for people who had experiences with Kilgrave? And, like, there was, like, a mix of people that came in, some who obviously had really had a Kilgrave experience, and some who were just making stuff up. And then it was one of the weirder, stupider ones that you didn't think was real that actually turned out to be like a big clue or something. Am I remembering this right at all from Jessica Jones season one or that brings up a good point. I was realizing about the fourth or fifth episode. I'm like, man, I really should have rewatched season one before watching this. Cause like in season one, did she do like the, 
narration type stuff as well? She did. Yeah. Okay. Because for whatever reason, I didn't remember that. I'm like, oh, that's kind of neat. But then it made me realize I should have probably watched that before this. I have felt like that narration has been a little uneven. There's times where I really love it because it gives it like that old 40s Humphrey Bogart, you know, like then she walked into my office, you know, like, I mean, I like that feel. Sometimes it feels a little too on the nose for me. So that that is a good point. I was thinking it kind of reminds me of the House of Cards breaking the fourth wall stuff. I mean, sometimes they'll break the fourth wall like all episode long and then two seasons later they'll do it once in one episode then forget about it the rest of the season it just seems kind of inconsistent let's go ahead and talk about the twist the last thing that i have seen is we find out that crazy superhero lady is uh oh <laughs> before i say this the con there, there is a little bit of continuity stuff that bugs me jessica is in the aquarium She's about to get hit by a wall of water. And then the next episode, she walks out and she's dry, but her cell phone doesn't work because it got wet, but her clothes are dry. They were sprink- what, what, I don't understand. What just happened? Like, Yeah, there were like sprinkles on her screen. I'm like, wait. <laughs> anyway, at the end of the sixth episode, uh, we find out that Jessica's mom is still alive and she's been super powered. Um... What do you think? I mean, we don't know. If you guys watch Beyond Us, maybe they reveal that that's not true 10 minutes down the road. What do you think of the idea, though, that Jessica's got a surviving family member? How young was she in the car accident? I didn't think she was, like, super, super young, so what, shouldn't she remember? What her own mother looks what like? her mom looked Yeah. Or was that part of the IGH thing where she forgot? Because it's like she didn't notice, and then her mom took off her wig, and then Jessica says, Mom? So I'm not... <laughs> so this is, I mean, yes, this is one of the things I'm thinking. There's flashbacks in season one where we see her mom. I would think she knows what her mom looks like. I think she has photos in her old house of what her mom looks like. Like, Kilgrave gets photos that he reprints of her mom. Yeah. So the fact that she would sit across the table from her and talk to her... And have no idea who that woman is. And then she pulls her hair, like she pulls her head off and it's like a, a, a naked head. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, that's you, mom. <laughs> like, I don't, yeah. I don't understand what's going on. I, I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> you did, you did mention tension in season one. And there was the one spot where I pretty much held my breath the whole time was when she was playing piano and the neighbor came to the door with her baby. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, don't give her the baby. Don't give her the baby. So yeah. there, there's been a little tension, but that was just the, the one that really stood out. I also got, I also just laughed when she burned the piano. I was like, <laughs> yeah. how big is that fire pit? Good gracious. <laughs> yeah. And apparently she has neighbors, so no one notices her burning stuff. Cause her neighbor came to her door. Yeah. But she's at the end of like a cul-de-sac and there's the ocean behind her. So I guess I didn't pay that much attention. I, I only it's, it's when Jessica goes to the house and the taxi drops uh. her off that you see that. So I was wondering how, wherever she lived that she can just sit in the backyard, strip naked and throw her clothes in a fire. 
<laughs> and there's not like I don't know a teenage boy next door going like woohoo you know like I mean it just seemed like something <laughs> yeah. would happen yeah. you know yeah I mean I'm interested to see yeah it'd be va- uh, I'm interested to see how Jessica deals with it uh, the fact that her mom is kind of crazy I don't uh, you know like does this bring healing or does this make things worse uh, the other thing I want to mention is the show sometimes just a little too negative i don't know if that's the way to put it but like it just seems sometimes almost miserable like all of the character let me put it this way i feel like in the netflix universe nobody ever learns like we've had the defenders and you would hope the defenders brought them to go oh you know sometimes you need friends in life and yet every character in the netflix universe is like i'm gonna do it on my own i'm not gonna tell yeah. anybody Trish is going to take her drugs and not tell anybody. And Jessica is going to leave everybody out and do it by herself. And Matt's going to, I don't need foggy. I can do it all by myself. Like how many times does Claire Temple have to give them? You need other human being talks before we stop that trope, you know? Yeah. I kind of, yeah, I noticed that a little bit. I think it was right out of the gate almost with that other PI that came in. Chang, was it price Chang or something? Yeah. And just from, like, the moment he walked in, like, I didn't want to say I felt bad for him, but they're just kind of jerks to him the whole time. And I kind of understand the competitor thing and him wanting to take the competition over, but it just kind of seemed over the top a little bit. And I'm not sure if this is still, uh, if this is going to end up being connected somehow. Well, and I, I feel it with Hogarth, too. Like... I still maintain Hogarth and Jessica Jones is a different character than she is around Danny Rand, you know, and she just has such utter contempt for all humanity. And I guess it's within, you know, the time of people trauma and people have real issues and I get all that stuff. It just, after a while, it just gets depressing. You know, like I know people who don't like to watch game of Thrones cause they're like, there's only so much like murder and rape you can take before you're like, this is too heavy to enjoy. And I don't know. I, I kind of get that feeling sometimes from Jessica. The city thing, is everyone in New York City just a jerk? I mean, because that's not how it is in Iowa. People are relatively nice. <laughs> uh, people, I, I can only speak for New England, but we are a little a little less talkative to people on the street. Okay. But, you know, like, another example would be the the homeless lady who destroys the TV, like has the whole TV thing with Malcolm. Like she steals his TV and then she just like smashes it on the street and she's like, I hate you. And it's like, why does everyone have to be mean? Like, is there no <laughs> kindness in the show? Like, can no one be kind to one another? I, I don't, I also, and this is where I may be speaking of it. I don't understand why Trish broke up with her CNN boyfriend. Like that's a, a twist that, her and Jessica seem to totally intuitively understand. And I'm like, what happened? I thought you liked the guy. He seemed nice. Like, uh, you know, I don't know. Yeah. That was kind of a, a missed opportunity. They introduced like a whole new news network instead of using W H I H or whatever it is. I mean, I would understand in the MCU, there's more than one TV station. I just think that would be a, would have been a good Easter egg opportunity or something. All right, uh, we've had lots of good comments in the live stream, so much so that I don't know if I can um, totally. Michael T. Ford is from New York. Just answer it for us if you're still listening, Michael. 
is everyone in New York as much a jerk as Jessica Jones? That's that's all we want to know. I, I think the answer is no. You seem like a very a very kind person. So so that's gonna do it for now. We'll talk about this a lot next week. We'll get Rhiannon's thoughts. Um, uh, we'll see how the second half goes uh, and what we think. But um, yeah, so that will do it for now, and we will jump into our mailbag as we wrap up. Uh, Love Waffle has found his way over to MarvelNewsDesk.com, so we're getting his comments on our post. Yay! Welcome <laughs> back, Love Waffle. We missed you, man. For the, I mean, we didn't really miss it. was like a week, but yeah, thanks for coming on over. <laughs> um, he just said that he feels like Marvel could do four movies a year, and one of the things he asked about was if, um, if there's going to be more space with um, Star Wars, maybe not having as many movies out but i think i don't think star wars is going to decrease they've already given a trilogy to the guys from game of thrones they've given a trilogy to ryan johnson they're working on an obi-wan movie so i think we're getting at least one if not two or three star wars movies a year too so i I don't think that will relieve the scheduling issues at all uh on twitter we got a great long message from at ash at at Ashad Imberley, I believe is how we would say it. Um, and they gave us lots of questions. I'm going to just take one at a time. So we'll do this week's. Uh, Adam, if we on the podcast got to interview one of the MCU directors, uh, specifically Whedon, Russo, uh, excuse me, Whedon, the Russo brothers, um, James Gunn, Favreau, Waititi, Kugler, do you have a, a particular director that you would want to talk to? on the podcast i have two i think i would love speaking with james gunn because i would nerd out over the space stuff and i feel like he's probably one of the most knowledgeable on the character's comic lore he directs but also at the same time i think interviewing taika would probably be the easiest interview one could ever do it just seems like he's very easy to talk to and you can't not have a good time with him yeah, I would think it'd be hard to keep him on topic, though. I think we would oh, get yeah. done with it and be like, we didn't talk about Marvel the whole time. You know, we talked about, like, kitten parachutes or something, but we did not. Yeah. Um. So I'm going to cheat. The one I want to talk to most is actually, well, maybe not for this podcast. I, I really, I think Gunn would be great because I think Gunn is got the most interesting perspective on film and comic books and how they relate and how you make them interesting. Personally, the guy I want to talk to is Scott Derrickson. So we don't talk about a lot on the podcast, but for my career, for my real job, I'm a pastor. And so Derrickson's interaction of faith and spirituality with his directing is something that's really interesting. He's why he's one of my favorite Twitter follows. And so that's the guy I would love to pick his brain because I love the way that he, um, I think there's a lot of, like I could do a whole essay on, um, spiritual fundamentalism and the critiques of fundamentalism that exists in Doctor Strange as a movie, and I think it's really interesting for my particular interests. And so I would love, I'd love to talk to Derrickson. So, uh, at Reclusive Nerd on Twitter, um, sent us this was cool. It was like a Where's Wolverine? Where's Waldo? kind of thing. I noticed the tweet because he, uh, the people that were tagged in the tweet were Ryan Reynolds, Hugh Jackman, um, Mangold, the director of Wolverine, and us. 
So it was kind of fun to be in that uh, that group. So thanks for that. Which one does not belong? <laughs> Which of these is not? <laughs> he, he 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 had MCU Exchange in there as well. But uh, so yeah, thanks thanks for that sending us that. Uh, Jack Hammer had sent us a tweet of uh, Jessica Jones on his TV and some booze. So he looked like he was getting ready to uh, enjoy some Jessica Jones uh, binging. So. Uh, Thanks for sending us the photo. Um, uh, at Than- uh, Thanos sent us a tweet as well that I did. Yeah. Oh, he was just saying that he was really uh, he loves he was excited about uh, the wizard and that that was in the show. And I thought that was that was pretty cool. It actually made no sense to me because I had not watched any Jessica Jones yet, and it was like. Thanos tweeted me wizard. And I was like, okay, it feels like spam. I don't think that's a spam guy, but what, what are we talking about? Oh, What's going so, um, also, uh, thanks to everybody who leaves us likes and stuff on SoundCloud. Um, I was noticing there's a guy named Chris chambers who almost every week, him and a guy named blind deaf mute, always like our podcasts on SoundCloud. Like every week I get a little email. It's like, they liked your track. And I'm like, thanks guys. That makes me happy that somebody liked what we did. So we appreciate it. Um, in the live stream, Michael T Ford did get back to us to say, um, that, uh, there are enough Joneses. Uh, there's enough characters like Jessica Jones characters in the people he knows in New York that he does relate to it somewhat. So, Okay. Maybe we just don't live in miserable enough places, Adam. You just <laughs> we have to be more not miserable. <laughs> what was that? We have to be more miserable. Yeah, Iowa, man. You guys just gotta pick up your misery. So, all right. Um, I think that does it uh, for the podcast this week. A uh, big thing, as many of you know, I believe the Infinity War, the Road to Infinity War supercut will be coming this week for sure. Uh, Charles has been working on it. I think it's real close. I think the promised date was Wednesday. So if you are listening to this and you are not following us on Patreon and you would like to see it Wednesday, do it now, you know, get ready. Um, And then it will drop on the internet as a whole sometime, I think the week after is the deal. So Um, thanks for listening to the podcast. You can interact with us all kinds of ways. You can send us messages on Twitter, uh, at Marvel news desk. You can also communicate with us via SoundCloud or our Marvel posts each week. If you want to support our show, we'd love for you to give us a dollar a month over at patreoncom slash Marvel news desk. There you can get access to our special MCU film ranking episode, as well as get early access to uh, some of our YouTube videos, including the Road to Infinity War Supercut that's coming. Uh, like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Marvel News Desk, or you can subscribe to us on YouTube at www.watch.marvelnewsdesk.com. I did a new kind of format for the videos. It was actually a suggestion of Michael T. Ford. It's not the whole podcast, but it's a little more intense video work. So let us know what you thought of that. Uh, You can help the show to be more visible to others if you give us a five-star review on iTunes. The number one thing you do every week, however, is you watch and you listen and you tell your friends about it. Uh, Last week, we had more listens to our SoundCloud channel than ever before in a single week. So thanks for continuing to grow that. 
Thanks to uh, Tim Cox for our logo. You can find him on Instagram at Tim V. Cox. We also want to thank Alvin for the great theme music we have. You can find him and his music on a variety of social media platforms at The Skull School. I think that does it. So we will be back next week and hopefully we'll have Rhiannon so she can share her Jessica thoughts and we'll finish up talking about Jessica Jones and all the news and all that stuff. So see you then guys. Bye. <laughs>